The idea that Linux is fun and the myriad of ways people put distros together should be reviewed often. My name is Moss. I live in eastern Tennessee. And my name is Tony, and I live in the northwest of England. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest. We love checking distros out. New distros, new versions of older distros, and maybe even some old distros we've missed. I have my preferences, and Tony has his. Perhaps together we can find some common ground to share with you. The idea of the podcast is that we each install a new distro to our chosen hardware for three to four weeks and use it as much as possible, perhaps even as our daily driver. We record all our trials, tribulations, fixes, what we liked and what we didn't. I like to find distros which would be kind to a new user, especially one who is hoping to move over from another operating system, such as Windows or Mac OS. We intend to give as much information as possible on each distro, and we'll also divulge what hardware we're using and how we think the hardware may have affected the rating. Welcome to Distro Hopper's Digest Episode 5, recorded on August 28th, 2019. For this show, we decided to review all kinds of things, but we'll let you know later. We'd like to hear from you what you'd like to see us take on, be it Debian, Red Hat, Arch, Susie, Mandriva, Slackware, or Gentoo-based distros. Monthly foibles wherein we discuss what did and didn't work for us this month. So this month I have been fighting with my hopes and dreams and finding a nice surprise, which I will report on shortly. I'm working a full-time job, which was supposed to be part-time, which limits my time somewhat. The weather has been beastly hot with brief occasional rainstorms. On August 3rd, I reformatted my IdeaPad hard drive and tried to set it up using UEFI because one of our listeners asked me why I was using Legacy Boot. First distro I installed, it couldn't find the right place to store the boot. So, back to Legacy Boot. August 7th, I installed Mint 19.1 and upgraded it to 19.2. I installed Magia 7.1. I installed Sabayon. Sabayon is a rolling release, so I have no clue on a version number. Well, actually, it's 19.03, I believe, because it's according to the date that I got the latest snapshot. I attempted to update Magia Mate. It froze halfway through. I did that many times with the same result both using the update manager and terminal. Finally, it just told me that a file was broken with a bad key, and that is that. I tried to log in to the Michia forum. I had a login from a year or so ago. I couldn't get in. I couldn't reset my password. I couldn't even create a new account. It let me and let me select my password and then crashed. So no Magia right now, and I'll get back to it. Meanwhile, I found that installing Magia made it look like Mint was no longer installed. Nothing changed about that after installing Sabayon. So I installed Ubuntu Budgie 1904 on the remaining partition and installed and ran Grub Customizer, and voila, everything is there in a boots. On August 10th, I'm installing Magia 7.1 KDE on the same partition I had. Note to developers, please turn off power-saving features during installation process. Nothing scares a new user more than having his screen turn itself off while he's installing your system. Magia nicely suggested I have Linux Mint 19.2 be the first boot. It did that last time and then hid the boot from me. Let's see how it goes this time. I boot to a pretty blue menu if you like blue. Yes, Linux Mint is there and highlighted, although Magia is at the top of the menu. Anything I select, it asks me for username and password and won't accept login for anything. 
Note that Magia doesn't set username and installation, but you get to set that at your first boot. But at this point, I can't get into that first boot, nor can I log into anything else. I just discovered the magic word. It is not admin or blank or anything else. It is root. Now I'm logging in. I am root. And it won't let me log into any of my boots without the root password. And while it detects my Realtek Wi-Fi modem, it does not detect any signals coming to it. I fought that for about 20 minutes, then went to install KDE Neon to get my boot back. KDE Neon defect detected the Wi-Fi just fine and logged me into my router on about the third step of installation, just after selecting English language and English US keyboard. I got my boot back as expected. However, after some fighting with Discover, I decided to give up on Neon and went back to Ubuntu Budgie, which has never yet let me down. It found my Wi-Fi installation and already had it set up when I rebooted. Many other distros, I have to set it up again after installation and reboot. I think it's time to give up on Magia for now. I have lots of other distros to look at. I went back to Sabayon and have everything installed except Mulvad in a couple of games. I just about had Mulvad installed, but Mulvad claims I have too many keys out. I have written them to find out what to do next. I can't just go deleting keys when I have no information which key is used for which distro or machine. Still, Sabayon is just peachy and I'll stick with it for a while. So on August 16th, I was installing something else, deep in 1511, to the idea pad and it completely screwed the grub boot system. I tried several things to rescue it, but the final choice was the nuke and pave option. So I reformatted my hard drive again and installed Linux Mint, Sabion, and Ubuntu Mate. In the past few days, I installed Gecko Linux 150 on my ThinkPad to have Ubuntu Budgie 1904 instantly leave the boot menu. When I installed Ubuntu Mate 18.04, Gecko Linux went away. And on the idea pad, I installed Man Manjaro to have Ubuntu Mate 18.04 stop booting. Reports a strange message saying it's not a 32-bit distro and I should try a 16-bit boot. And upon reinstalling Ubuntu Mate, I got a kernel panic from Manjaro with no boot. I have shared the screen on that with our Telegram group. If you say, well, it must be Ubuntu's fault, both machines have Linux Mint 19.2, which was not affected. And the ThinkPad also has Bodhi 5, also not affected. And both are based on Ubuntu 18.04. All these continue to boot. And while I've had issues with Magia, as stated, Sabion ran beautifully, as did previously Open Mandriva 3. This is why I instituted the Plays Well With Others category, but it still stresses me out when I run up on it. So now you've heard some of my struggles. Has anything exciting been happening to you, Tony? <laughs> I, I could not uh, put up with all that, I'm afraid, Moss. I don't go anywhere near uh, multi-boots like you do. But anyway. Yeah, I really think that if you're going to be doing uh, Manjaro or uh, Open Mandriva or Open Susie or anything like that, you need to have a dedicated machine. I'm sure they've tested it for multi-boots with Windows but they haven't apparently bothered to test it with multi-boots with other Linux. Other Linux, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had a couple of similar problems, but we'll get to that. Uh, so anyway, since we uh, last recorded, uh, I've returned from Woodbrook, where I do the voluntary work, and completed this month's distro uh, review, which uh, more of that soon. I've also been playing with a couple of uh, donated PC-based units, which are all early dual-core PCs. So I decided to install Linux Mint XFCE onto them. And they run quite well with 4 gig of RAM. 
they would benefit from an SSD upgrade, but as they're going to be given away uh, to charity, they'll probably not get it. I've also put Mint onto a Packard Bell laptop that I was given, and I did do an upgrade to an SSD on this as I'm passing it to a friend who's a little bit hard up for cash uh, as he's on disability benefits. So this runs very nicely with 6 gig of RAM and the SSD, despite being almost nine years old. So uh, as well as that, I've been clearing up the garage, getting ready here for moving some of our Makerspace uh, hardware into it. We've got a laser cutter, 3D printer, and a CNC milling router. We've lost our current base from the end of the month. The uh, gentleman who's a member of the club donated his basement to the uh, Makerspace a few years ago when we lost our venue, Uh, and his wife wants to claim it back. So we've been given the end of end of this month to clear out and uh, find somewhere else to live. So for the time being, I'm going to be looking after the machinery and hopefully we'll get that set up in my garage so we can use it there. On the 17th of August, I actually joined the uh, Big Daddy Linux live stream. Uh, the challenge was the distro I'm reviewing this month at Endeavor OS. So I got to talk a little bit about that, but not in the full kind of in-depth way I'm going to be doing on the review. But uh, yeah, things have been quite interesting. We live such exciting lives, Tony. <laughs> we do, don't we? <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, not too bad. Uh, oh, I also rescued um, an i7 tower that uh, was sat in the makerspace that I donated a while back. And I'm setting that up as my uh, kind of backup machine for if my current tower ever fails. Uh, but uh, yeah. Things are okay. Well, all right then. On to this month's first distro, Endeavor OS. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we've just been talking about this. I've uh, been testing uh, Endeavor this month. Just for just for information again, I've uh, done the uh, install on the same uh, Toshiba Portage Z30 that I used last month for the uh, for the uh, Debian review and it's an Intel Core i5 with uh, two cores and four threads it's got a um, processor that uh, upgrades to 2.7 gigahertz and it's got 128 uh, gig M2 SSD and 8 gig of RAM to test the friendliness for uh, dual booters out there, as we've just been talking about with Mossy's uh, Saga. I also did a couple of test installs on a couple of other machines, uh, and I can report that um, if the PC's got a standard um, partition configuration, then Endeavor does a great job of uh, uh, dual booting with the Calamaris installer that they've included. makes it very simple to dual boot any Ubuntu spins or um, if you've got Windows installed. However, I did, on one of the machines I tested it on, I did have uh, Endless OS already installed, and the dual boot failed to set up correctly with that because Endless has got a really weird um, boot partition and, and structure to it when it installs. So I didn't go into any... Uh, great lengths to try and fix the issue but uh, everything i've heard about unless os is it wants to be the only partition and own your machine so i can understand that 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's not the most user friendly ones for, and it is it is a distribution that's been set up from a hardware manufacturer's point of view uh, that's being included in uh, hardware sales. So, but anyway, um, so after installation on the Toshiba, all the hardware including the Wi-Fi card, was detected and working as soon as I rebooted the laptop. However, you have a very basic set of utilities to start. Uh, XFCE 4.13 was the desktop environment to install, although this has since been updated to 4.14. You get Firefox for web browsing uh, and a few system tools such as Gparty. But all the software you need to be productive has to be installed, including any alternative desktop environments you may wish to use. Ease of use. It would be inaccurate to say that Endeavor is a new user's distribution of Arch, as those who have been using a DEB or RPM distribution for any length of time will find they need to learn the Pac-Man package management system to get anything done. And it does take a little getting used to. However, Endeavor OS has already created a great wiki which can, will help you to learn the basics. So your first port of call after initial install should be the wiki. One of the pages gives you uh, the details of installing other desktop environments and I was able to install Marte using the instructions on, on the page and there's a shortcut to, the, uh, to that page on the uh, show notes. Also, as well as Pac-Man, the distro team have included the community repositories, which can be checked for software using the Yay package management tool. If you wish to check both repositories, then using Yay will search the official Arch repositories uh, and the community repositories. So you only need to use one command. There is a slight difference in that you don't use sudo when using Yay commands, but it will ask you for the admin password during the process. That took a little bit getting used to because I'm so used to typing sudo uh, at the beginning of any commands that are going to require root privileges. It took a little bit of uh, reprogramming muscle memory to get used to not having to do that. Also, as well as the great Endeavor wiki, Endeavor has already built up a great community support around it. So there's an active Telegram group to look for user support. I also found support on some of the other community groups I'm signed up to, such as the Big Daddy Linux discourse channel, where they were recently doing the Endeavor challenge, like I said earlier on. Application issues? I didn't have any. All the software I needed to install and use regularly is available either in the official Arch repository or through the community repository. Also, you can, if you wish, to install both flat packs and snaps, so you shouldn't have any problems getting chosen software. And even my beloved Get iPlayer is avail available without having to install a snap. That was uh, actually available in the repositories. Memory use, Endeavor, when it was using the uh, XFCE desktop environment, is uh, quite light on resources. At first boot, it uses around about 450 meg. Uh, on initial install, hard drive storage, it took around about 6 gig after the update. But I've since installed quite a lot of software. And also, um, because I've been playing with it for a month, there's all sorts of other crud that's collected. So the image that's on the uh, show notes shows quite a lot of hard drive space being taken up. Yeah, Tony, I see you got Stacer installed on that. 
I was having some trouble getting Stacer on Manjaro when I was playing with that. You'll have to tell me how later. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually in the repos for Endeavor, if I remember correctly. It didn't. T- it, it wasn't difficult to install it at all. Good. So anyway, ease of finding help. As I've already said, Endeavor OS uh, has already created a great wiki with loads of information on getting started with what you need to do on first install. There's a brilliant community out there with lots of Arch information base full of information, including video tutorials on YouTube. And there's quite a few people have already started posting uh, YouTube videos of uh, installing Endeavor and uh, getting that up and running uh, after first boot. So there is a lot of other, uh, you know, a lot of information on how to get it going. Also, uh, if you if you are interested in giving it a go, uh, give the Big Daddy Linux um show a, a listen to or a watch because uh, they uh, did two weeks of reviewing it so there's there's some information on there that you might find useful does it play nice with others uh, as i said earlier the, the installer is very easy to use it gives very clear dual boot options uh, easy resizing of the uh, hard disk uh, partitions and you can allocate the space you where you want it with the slider uh, or leave it as the default 50-50 split. As I said earlier, on most installs, this works fine. I even did it as a, a three-way dual boot with a uh, uh, three-way boot with um, another box I had, uh, and I ended up with Windows, PC, Linux, OS, and uh, Endeavor working fine out the box. But like I said earlier on, uh, with the en- endless OS, Grub got very confused with the complex partitioning. So you might want to consider if you've got a um, complex uh, OS that you want to include with Endeavor, you might want to put that on seconds so that it can be the uh, final option rather than the uh, first uh, operating system that you put on. So anyway, after install, um, I got uh, with the uh, three-way install I did, I got greeted with a very nice splash screen showing the three uh, different options of Windows, PC, Linux, and Endeavor. I do love the splash screen that they've included um, for uh, the Grub boot menu at the start. It looks really nice and slick rather than that horrible text-based one that you get on most distros. Stability. I've still got uh, Endeavor on the uh, Toshiba, and it has been rock solid. I've been using it for about 80% of my computing needs when I've not needed the grunt of my i7 desktop for the last four or five weeks. Despite daily updates, not had any issues with the stability of the OS. If there were any, you know, I haven't even gone and checked to see if there were any issues in the proposed updates. As, as it's recommended, I've just been winging it and it's still not thrown up any problems. So I can report so far, it's been very stable. And other people say the same about Arch-based distros once you get them started. So on to the ratings. Ease of installation, I've given it new user-friendly, I've given it 5 out of 10, just because of the slightly different way that um, Arch and Endeavor use the um, package, not the package management, the installer. It does look slightly different than you might expect. But once you realize that it's uh, fairly simple, it's not too bad to install. Uh, experienced Linux users, I've given it 8 out of 10. Hardware issues, I didn't have any, so I've given it 10 out of 10. 
Ease of Finding Help. Again, brilliant community out there, loads of information, really friendly community. I, I will say this, the developers of Endeavor are aiming for this to be a very community focused uh, distribution of Arch and they want the community to feel welcome and ask those questions that some Arch users might find um, not you know not very friendly because they, they think everyone should know what they're doing before they install Arch. So I've given that 10 out of 10. Ease of use, eight out of ten. I've I've marked it down a little bit because you've got you've got to uh, kind of get used to a different package management system. But once you get used to using the A command and a few other not so kind of intuitive commands for updates and installing software, then it's uh, dead easy to use. Plays nice with others again, eight out of ten. And stability, I've given it uh, nine out of ten. Because, like I say, I haven't uh, run it for any length of time, obviously. Um, and I'm not sure, you know, over the long term, if I continue to keep installing stuff, you know, the updates and things without uh, checking out whether there was any problems reported, I might come a cropper. But uh, so far, so good. Similar distros to check out. Manjaro. Uh, I'm sure there's lots and lots of other Arch-based distros out there, but Manjaro is the one that comes uh, first to mind. And I know Mossy's been fighting with that for the, for a while now. Well, it's been fighting with me, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. So, final comments. I'm absolutely gobsmacked for the developers to produce such a slick iteration of Arch on their first attempt despite having a very active community that uh, they've inherited from the former Antigos IRS. It's it's absolutely amazing. Also, the community, despite the reputation that some Arch communities have, in my experience, has been fantastic. Brian from the Endeavor team was on the Big Daddy Linux Live a couple of weeks ago and stated that one of their aims is to have the best community that any Arch user could want or expect. And I echo Rocco's statement on hearing this, that that's amazing that the community is the centre of this distribution. If you have never tried Arch and want an easy start to get getting a working desktop environment, albeit with minimal software installed, Endeavor may be for you. This is de definitely going to be on the list of distros to keep in the locker, and it's currently, as I say, still on the Toshiba until I decide to install the next review subject over it. But I haven't got around to that yet. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Have you got anything to say about that, Moss, or shall we move over? Ah, let's keep going. What the heck? Okay, so let's move on over to Moss's uh, review for this month. This month, I had hoped to review Magia 7.1, but we've already discussed my travels in Magia land. Ultimately, this is about the unexpected joys of Sabaeon, a distro which attempts to bring Gen 2 to beginners. My hardware this month, I'm strictly working on my IdeaPad, a Lenovo IdeaPad 110-15ACL-80TJ <laughs> with 4 gigs of RAM, a 500 gig hard drive, and AMD chips. On August 8, I started trying to update Sabayon. It took more than my lunch hour. Fortunately, the update manager is ready, willing, and able to suspend an update and continue it later. 
It took over three hours to do the first update, 468 files, and then a second update of about 66 files took about 20 minutes. Everything went smoothly. The total install, including updates, was about five hours. I got Firefox set up and even managed to install SoftMaker Office from a tar.gz file with an easy-to-use script and completely removed LibreOffice. It's obvious I will need to completely relearn the commands for the Gen 2 system, and I'm having a bit of trouble finding my other programs. I'm needing to get Molvat installed as well as my printer, but that is for another day. Due to a mess-up on my system not having to do with Sabayon, I reinstalled on the 16th. Sabion started doing updates and then froze 25% of the way through one update and would not continue. My experience was if you discontinue updates, you can continue them later. Not this time. My fault, as I'll explain later. I spent all day on the 17th trying to get it to work. Looks like I'm reinstalling again on the 18th. <laughs> More about this later as I discovered the cause. August 18. I got Mint installed. I got Sabayon installed. I installed Ubuntu Mate. I left my machine with three, three partitions, at least for now. While I was updating Sabayon, which we all tend to do before anything else, I actually read through the welcome page where it suggests you open terminal and do a few things first, even though the software has already asked you to do updates. I note that one of the first steps searches for a better mirror. Do this, people! Sabion is a fun distro, but those initial updates take five hours without taking this step. Yes, it is a forgiving distro, and you can break the process and pick it up later, something I wish other distros would do as well as Sabion does, but still, it'll be five hours! I will be reinstalling soon just to see what the difference is. If you're interested, a reviewer on DistroWatch recently reviewed Sabion utilizing the GNOME desktop. There will be a link in the show notes. On August 21st, I started my fourth installation of Sabayon at 18.55. If it weren't an easy install, I might not be doing this, but Sabayon always finds a way to make it feel like fun. Again, the purpose of this installation was to see whether it goes more quickly if you follow the guidelines and do things in terminal first before running updates. I noted during installation that this distro includes native AMD and NVIDIA drivers and comes with Steam Big Picture mode for you gamers out there. The slideshow also features Kodi, but for some reason that's not included in the installation, but can easily be added later. I checked out the assistive tools. They exist, but I wouldn't rely on them. Uh, the zoom tended to zoom and stick, and I didn't want to figure all that out. So it could be a difficult one if you need those assistive tools. My installation was completed at 1917. Upon reboot, I found it did not transfer my Wi-Fi password. Not all distros do, but it's a pleasure to see when one does. So it's into terminal I go. The Equo update completed at 1923, the mirror sort at 1925. It took until 2011 to upgrade Entropy, the package manager, but this apparently included all the hours-long updates I'd experienced in previous installations. I then ran Equo Conf update, which seemed to be stuck at 6% until I figured I needed to hit the spacebar to continue, which I needed to do a few times, and it completed at 2120, displaying the endlessly cute passage. Oh, fine, baby. Nothing to do. <laughs> I did a couple of unneeded repeated updates just to prove to myself that all the updates were done, then ran an echo depth test for testing 
for missing dependencies, which completed at 2133, an Equilib test checking for missing or broken libraries, which completed at 2141, at which time I was all done and had to reboot. So in this case, I started at 1855 and was done by 2141. That's less than three hours. That, that knocked easily two hours and 10 minutes off of my installation time. So please read that screen if you're running it, and it's a lot of fun. Post-installation hardware issues. You boot up and are met with the message that no virtual machine has been detected, so it's turning off the VM manager. It then continues to boot. Nothing appears to be wrong, but that is a bit disconcerting for new users to be told something isn't running, especially if you didn't tell it to run in the first place. Out of four installations, I had Mulvat installed only twice, and with purported DNS leaks, repeated conversations with Mulvad support confirmed they had no idea how to support Sabayon and suggested I try a more popular distro. So I may have to try a more popular VPN like PIA or Nord. I still have not found the page I'm looking for in order to install my printer by using source. Sabayon does not use Deb or RPM files, so I'm stuck there. In the end, this was the backbreaker for me to continue using Sabion or not, and I'm sure the answer is out there. I found the page before. I do not know why I couldn't find it this time. I've got some pictures of my desktop and of the update process. Mars, yes. does um, Sabion not support cups? It does have cups just fine, but my printer is not included in cups. The newer printers are not. Ah, right. Okay, so you couldn't find the uh, driver in cups for your particular printer. Right. Ah, and it's always okay. the case. With, with weather printers, you almost always have to go outside of cups. Uh, they they feed the information back to cups, and you're running cups after that. But uh, you have to get that driver in there. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. Ease of use. Application issues. Everything runs the way it should except for Molvad, my printer, and Stacer. I only got three of my five games installed, but this is a nice system and I really enjoy using it. Memory use. HTOP reports using 2.16 gigabytes RAM with Firefox open. That's a bit steep on a 4 gig laptop, which leaves me hoping my swap drive is functioning properly. Ease of finding help. The forum is small but friendly. There are around 16,000 registered users, and if it's like most forums, over half of those have gone on to other things. I got responses to my questions, but not many and not all were actual solutions. Plays nice with others. There's no Grub customizer, but the Grub menu shows everything and nothing conflicts. After what I've been through this month, that's a nice place to be. <laughs> Stability. I've had absolutely no issues with crashes. The update manager is so stable you can stop and start it again even on a later boot. Oh, I didn't mention. I, I said I would come back and tell you how it was my fault. Um... It was in the middle of updating glibc, which it has to, for some reason, download all 484 language libraries, and I interrupted that process so it couldn't pick that up. If I'd have waited for it to finish updating all those 484 language libraries, it would happily have stopped and then restarted later. So you when you tell it to stop, you have to wait for it to actually finish what it's doing, and in that case, I thought it was frozen and it really wasn't. So it was my fault. Similar distros to check out. Is there anything close? Not in Gentoo land. Perhaps Manjaro and Endeavor in Arch or Solus OS, something that does something differently from anything else you're using. 
Ratings, ease of installation, new user-friendly install scores 4 out of 10. Patience, not skill, is required. Experienced Linux users, 7 out of 10. They probably won't like having to wait 3, three to 5 hours to get their system installed. Hardware issues, 8 out of 10. Ease of finding help. I gave it an 8. That's probably high because I was having trouble finding people to give answers. Uh, I think I'll downrate that to a 7 here. Bink. There we go. Uh, ease of use, 8 out of 10. It's fun. Plays nice with others. I say 8 out of 10. It doesn't let you control the order of the boot, but it doesn't mess with others' boots. Stability, 8 out of 10. I'm sure it's as good as anything out there, but it's still Gentoo, and you've got to figure out how to work. I never did figure out the Gentoo system. It is confusing because the package manager is called Entropy, but in Terminal, you use Equo, and the the graphical package manager is called Rego. So there's nothing verbally to tie those things together the way you've got in Debian, you've got aptitude, apt, and synaptic. So uh, I, I did miss that uh, ability to say, oh, yeah, I'm looking for Rego. No, well, Rego, what's that got to do with entropy? Uh, okay. Final comments. I really, really like this distro, but will not be keeping it beyond this review. There's nothing here I can't do more easily elsewhere. But this is not the nightmare I was expecting to encounter. And there are lots of fun touches, like no new updates. Cool. If you're up for a quite different experience, I highly recommend trying it. But do all the post-installation stuff it suggests and don't be afraid to use the terminal. This by itself makes it less friendly to beginners and new users, as so many of us are afraid to open a terminal until we are quite experienced. Yeah, that's an interesting one, that Moss, because that's one of the things with Endeavor OS uh, at the beginning of the splash cream is, uh, are you afraid of the terminal? <laughs> 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 so, you know, it kind of instigates that uh, with these kind of distributions, you do need to go into the terminal quite frequently to do things. And that means you have to learn how to use the package manager. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to new releases. New releases this month. Clonezilla 2.6.3-5, Hanthana 30, Proxmox 6.0 Mail Gateway, Scientific 7.7, Kodachi 6.2, EasyOS 1.2. For some reason, they also released EasyOS 2.1. OSGO Live 13.0, Astrumi 4.0.6, OVOS 3.02, Clonezilla 2.6.3-3, Netrunner 19.08, Big Linux 19.04, Alpine 3.10.2, Red Core Linux 1908, Nopix has a 8.6 out, uh, there's an old friend, Neptune 6.0, Emabuntus DE2-1.05, Voyager Live 10, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 7.7, Pardus 19.0, Sparky Linux 19.08, and Linux Mint 19.2. I never heard of that last one. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a small distribution. I don't think it will make anything. <laughs> We're being sarcastic, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, dear. Ah, uh, yes. Both of us are on Mintcast, for those of you who don't know that. <laughs> so, over to feedback. I'll take the first one. So, Silas writes, oh, and this is to do with the discussion we were having last time about PPAs. Um, so, Silas said, you can manually type in a PPA into your uh, slash etc slash apt slash sources dot list, although Grus Customizer is actually in Bus Buster's repositories. All you have to do is type in sudo apt install grub-customizer, then it will work. So I replied, thanks, Silas. I'm sure that Moss, who plays with Grub all the time, will make a note of this. And Moss replied... Uh, I didn't reply, but yeah, the, it's nice that Debian finally recognized Grub Customizer as a tool that we all want to use in Debian-based distros. It's about time. So uh, as part of the feedback, I had a whole series of encounters in the Telegram group, and I have to make this comment. I'm really not distro hopping to stress myself out or the listener, but one of our regular listeners left our Telegram group because he was too stressed hearing about my struggles with Magia. However, he pledged $50 towards any decent used laptop I would like to purchase with the proviso that I use it to only install one distro at a time, which is more like what most of our listeners would do. He suggested I ask other listeners to chip in. I don't enjoy asking for help, suffering as I do, like many other podcasters, from imposter syndrome, the fear that what I'm doing isn't important to anyone. But I find I'm doing it a lot these days. We did find a couple Lenovo G70-80s on eBay for around 200 Actually, one of them was down around 150 They look to be ideal for my needs. So if anyone else really enjoys what I'm doing on this show and on Mintcast and would like to contribute, please contact me. I, I'd like to get a machine that I can really dedicate to a distro. Uh, as it is, every time I put something on one of my two machines I have, I have to ha make sure I have Linux Mint at least on it to make sure I can still work. I think I think you'll find that the listeners do appreciate what you do and, and what the show does, uh, as we'll hear in a minute. <laughs> Announcements. We are pleased to announce that episode four has been downloaded 369 times as of this recording. This is more than three times what we had for episode one after a month. We have had a number of users who have wanted to submit their own reviews for Distro Hoppers Digest, and we now plan to do a user-only show, Distro Hoppers Digest User Edition. We will post the criteria to be used in your review on the blog at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com. You can find that link in the show notes. So if you do want to uh, submit a review, please uh, submit a uh, link to the .flac format file if you can. But uh, we will accept an MP3 if that's all you're able to do. If you submit a script of what you, uh, what you said during the review, that will help our listeners, but it's not required. But please send your submissions to distrohoppers at gmail.com and, if necessary, a link to where you've stored the audio file. That's distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. Sorry, did I? Yes, you dropped the digest. <laughs> Sorry. 
Our next show will be recorded on September 25th, 2019. Depending on our feedback, there may be a user edition before then. Visit our website at https colon slash slash distrohoppersdigest.blogspot.com and follow us on MeWe, Discord, Telegram, and at our Mintcast groups. And we can be contacted at distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. If any of our listeners have suggestions for which distros you'd like to see us try, please contact us. Before we go, we would also like to thank all those who make this project possible, starting with the Mintcast podcast team for allowing us to use their Mumble server, archive.org for storing and helping to distribute this program, Audacity, which we use for recording and editing the show, Joshua Lowe for work on our logo, all those who work on the teams which are creating, adapting and maintaining the Linux distros, we have reviewed this episode. Mid-Air Machine, creators of the song Streets of Santivo, used as our music under Creative Commons license. Thanks to Linus Torvalds for the kernel, Richard Stolman for the GNU toolkits, and all those who have worked behind the scenes on free and open source Libra software. And thanks to the rest of the Mintcast team for letting us use their Discord and Telegram channels and lots of encouragement. We shall be back next month. Thank all of you for listening. Thank you.